Convention season is in full swing, and planning for faster, efficient hydration is essential to survive any con. Liquid IV has you covered while you travel, power through in any cosplay, and recover after the long weekend. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. As someone who has postural tachycardia syndrome, I'm insanely desperate for electrolytes in my day-to-day already. That alone made Liquid IV a staple in my purse no matter where I go. Convention days are no different with how few and far between hydration breaks can be. Not only is Liquid IV made with premium ingredients, but each stick contains five essential vitamins to keep you going strong. B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. You can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FANDAMES at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FANDAMES at liquidiv.com. Great. That was Parker sipping her water was as soon oh, as they were I thought that three seconds was much <laughs> I should have done it you did it. Hold on. I thought that three Live seconds. Uh-huh. Ryan, leave this in. Ooh. Leave this in. <laughs> Delicious. Mm. Hydrate. Hydrate. Okay. Is, are we hydrated? Are we good? We're hydrated. We're hydrated. Never, never, we drop the intro. Bless. Welcome back to the Sleepover podcast. This is Fandames with Parks and Nebula, and we have a new guest at the Sleepover. We have Travis Mullenix. Welcome, Travis. Do you want to give a little, our listeners a little background as to what you do and what your career is? Sure. Um, my name is Travis Molinex, as was stated before. Um, I'm a voice actor out of Dallas, Texas, uh, primarily right now working in ADR for anime and some live action stuff, uh, dabbled in some indie video games and things like that. Uh, you might have heard me in shows like One Piece. Uh, I played the character of Buffalo. Uh, you might know me from Classroom of the Elite. Um, which is a popular show, uh, oddly popular show. I played Yamauchi in that. Um, let's see what else would end up being interesting. I, I did some stuff for Attack on Titan, My Hero. I've been doing this for a long time, so I've kind of dabbled in bits and pieces and things like that. Um, I was in a, I played the lead in a show called uh, the Dawn of the Witch as a guy named Sable. Um, and a number of other things that way. I've also done some uh, some productions on some shows, including the first season of Kaguya-sama, Love is War. Um, also, I direct demos, I dungeon master, I paint. I do all sorts of stuff, and I'm sure we'll go into detail as we go. Yeah, so. absolutely. We will get every opportunity to know you. Perfect. Um, I, I say that in such an evil, cruel way. I, like I saw the fingers. That's how I knew. <laughs> it was like jealous. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to do that, but, you know. <laughs> Did the Shinji's dad thing. <laughs> I do, so the funny thing is, especially when you do a lot of voice acting, uh, there's a lot of moments where, and I don't know, maybe this is just me personally, where I mime a lot and that helps me get the character. So, like, if I play someone evil, I just find myself naturally, my hands start to go like that and start wiggling around like this. Uh, I played a character in a show, uh, what was it called again? Um, well, there was a show where I played this kind of angry, tough guy character, and I couldn't get outside a character unless I was holding a pipe on my shoulder. So I just pretended. I, like, I couldn't do the line normally if I stood like this, but if I put my arm like this, I could do it. That one's called The Ones Within, I just remembered. Huh, okay. So then, awesome. And mm-hmm. I light just killed it. Flicked itself. right in front of you. Like us. Yeah. We're we're fine. <laughs> I, experience I, <laughs> I'm not an actor, but I am Italian. So when I start saying shit, my hands are going to move. No I want that on a speaker now. I'm, I'm not an actor, but I am Italian. <laughs> that sounds like one of those shitty Facebook t-shirts. 
That's a really that specific one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the great thing about shirts like that I love is that it's one of those ones you can wear and then someone will either laugh or ask you a question. Either way, you're starting a conversation with it. Um, I like to buy them secondhand. So if I see like an oddly specific t-shirt that's been ditched at a thrift store, I'm like, this is the fucking one. Am I a Scorpio? <laughs> Hell no. Am I a firefighter mom? No. But this time <laughs> I will be. If they ask, you know, there's the confusion and the fun of them going, oh, no, I don't I don't touch fires now. <laughs> actually, I have no children, but thank you for noticing. <laughs> I'm going to buy you a bunch of those shitty Dependa t-shirts. I love Dependa t-shirts. I think they're so fucking funny. I, I love them. I love when they say too many words and go all the way down. I'll make it Everyone weird. has to stop and read them at that point. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Especially if the text gets smaller as it gets to the bottom. Or they have like the small text in between that cuts off some yeah, of the yeah. words that matter. So <laughs> when you see it from afar, it just says like, boy, mom, army. You're like, okay, yeah, I guess. <laughs> cool, thanks. Well, boy, mom, army. What's the big deal? What BTS else? BTS army, there? goodbye. Boy, mom, army. <laughs> mm. But. Oh my God. This was such a random, strong start. <laughs> Because we were talking about actual real shit we should have talked about before we started. So now that we're actually started, we're filling in the gap because we lost our stone that rolled us to those stories. Uh, When we started, it was me just going, hey, I should stop myself from talking about this. This is literally a podcast subject. Shut up. (laughs) So now we're like, shitty t-shirts. Now we're here. Shitty t-shirts. Shit that's not podcast stuff. Um, So anime, yeah. (laughs) So anime. What's so anime? Let's begin. First, sorry if I interrupted. It just reminded me. uh, I so if you mention shirts you love, the one thing I would love to have a shop of, and I'm sure they exist, are shirts that are in anime but are not anime shirts. Um, so like I was just like, to say shit on them, like with taco, like Krillin. Yeah. The one I saw was the one that Fisher Tiger wore in his flashback on One Piece, which was what was it? It was like. Uh, not rabbit, hippo. And it was just a picture of a hippo on a shirt, and that's all it said. I'm gonna make that shirt for my friend who wants to cosplay Fisher Tiger. <laughs> I want that so bad, though. Fisher Tiger was only in, like, six total episodes, but God, at every album. You only wore that shirt in one scene, so... I feel like... two-minute scene at most. Yep. Dragon Ball, One Piece, and My Hero would carry this entire industry. <laughs> Yeah. Every single Deku shirt, every single little shit ass Deku shirt. It just says stupid things like pencil. Like, yeah. yeah. The shirt that Carrot says that just says Carrot on it. Yeah. The clothes that just says Postboy. That's the one I, I want. The Postboy yeah. shirt is a slay. I'm surprised that's not like official merch. I'm going to be honest. Right? It should be. We have Batman. I want Postboy. I mean, I love that philosophy of finding a shirt that when someone looks at, they, they don't. The people who know, know. And you kind of have that like, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. But like if it's, you know, if they don't get it, they still kind of go, why is he wearing a shirt that says taco on it? <laughs> like, um, I just like tacos, I, dude. <laughs> yeah. I love niche anime merch. I say, well, I'm wearing the ugliest Vegeta shirt known to man. Um, because <laughs> one of my most complimented things in my closet is a devil fruit button up. We all got matching ones at a con. Oh, I've seen that shirt. The one with the purple ones? Uh, no, no, it's like a full on just black, like button up shirt. And it has every single devil fruit on it, just kind of spray or most of the more famous ones like Doflamingos, just all over it just looks like a very nice pattern shirt. It's the most complimented thing I get because a lot of people don't know it's one piece, they just see a bunch of fruit. But the people who get it, get it because it's that right amount of being like in your face anime or just nondescript 
See, that's how you know you made the good pick when you do that. And you're just like, okay, I'm starting to get attention from this from people who have no idea what I'm doing. Exactly. When I wear, I wore this shirt in public today uh, to the gas station, and guy's like, Dragon Ball shirt, right? I'm like, yeah. Um, he's like, what are you watching right now? I'm like, One Piece. And he kind of went like physically like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. What are you watching, bro? And then he listed off a bunch of shows. So I'm like, okay. Cool, thank you. JoJo's. Well, at least he has the confidence to say he's yeah. watching a well, JoJo. He was pitching him to me a little bit, so it's kind of mm. like a okay. All right, <laughs> thank you. That's a, I mean, that's a surprising answer at that least. Is like you know you expect someone to say, oh, you're watching you know JJK and and Demon Slayer, he, and like he uh, to feel like uh, Comey can't communicate on me. I was like, whoa. Um, I'm I watching. I didn't know, you know Totoke, duh. <laughs> There was one, hold on, I have to look up now. It was like a marriage something uh, anime. Like, that's the name. Um, As I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate those shows. Oh, it was My Happy Marriage. Bro plugged My Happy Marriage to me. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Last thing I expected the dude who recognized my Dragon Ball shirt to say. See, I got the opposite treatment once. Uh, My mother used to be a tutor for kids, uh, like young kids. And she loves to talk about my career with student teachers whoever she's like one of one of my biggest fans so she walked up uh like i think i don't know where i met her at that point but she said like oh uh i just told one of my kids that you voice for anime uh what shows have you done because he was curious about that so i just started listing you know one piece and stuff like that and they they go oh well they were actually uh looking at a specific show um it's called, I think, what is it called? Oh, High School DXD. You ain't supposed to know about that one, bro. And I, I stopped, I'm like, so how old is this kid? And like, oh, eight years old. Mm-mm, oh my God. Hey, pull, pull that plug. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like, oh, um, I know he's probably going to hate me for this, but tell the mom <laughs> to stop this. It's like when yeah. kids have access to GTA when they shouldn't. It's like, hey, yeah. back up, back up. <laughs> Man, I'm just having more flashbacks to discovering Higurashi when they cry when I was like 11. <laughs> Oh boy, that was. I mean, I I um I feel like I'm suffering from old manisms, but uh, thinking back, of going to like Blockbuster when I was a kid and being like, "Oh, anime is cool. What's this Ninja Scroll movie? This looks cool." And then, uh, oh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to watch this. Oops. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and your parents are like, "It's animated, so it's fine." <laughs> and the worst part is like, it wasn't like I had on my own personal TV to watch on the kid. No, we had to play in the living room. With all the family walking through, and wow, yeah, uh, yeah. learning well, experience. I did that with Bible Black, so <laughs> I didn't imagine that was a blockbuster. I didn't. It wasn't. Um, I found it because I'm I'm a I'm a '99 kid, so when I was a child, I at least had access to like YouTube on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Bible Black is on YouTube, just flagged. <laughs> didn't know it. I just saw anime because I was looking up anime. I was like, dope. Um, family came into that, so that was awkward. I had the exact middle ground. I had enough time to go to the the like local. It wasn't actually a blockbuster, but it was a local. Um, I had a Hollywood place. video. Ours was called like M and M's. I think I don't remember. Okay. Why. Um, Let's get it was a like a family run shop, like a mom. Yeah, it was like a like a movies and, and media. I think is what it was, but it was like M and M's. And we would go, and I would pick all the random anime that they had, and then whenever that closed, just right when YouTube hit, and so then it was like, oh, time to watch every anime in three part episodes at four eighty p. It looked fine back then, and like we can't even watch it now with going like, oh my eyes, so many pixels. 
Um, my local movie, like mom and pop movie store, didn't close until like seven months ago, actually. So that's wow. how I managed to get every single DVD set for Dragon Ball uh, GT. So those are cool. Those are gems. Damn. Um, it, was, it was like when I used to work for EB Games, and at one point it was starting to transition into GameStop. Uh, they did have DVDs you can buy. I managed to get like all of Neon Genesis Evangelion from there. So, like, it's way more valuable now because everything that they ever released from that show ends up being buku bucks. But yeah. uh, at the time, it was, like, a dollar a piece. <laughs> that was also when they used to sell the Evangelion figures in the store. I'm old. <laughs> Travis, do you know how much money I would give you for you to burn copies of these for me? <laughs> oh, I still have them. They're they're sitting in... Uh, I will they, pay they real human dollars <laughs> if you burn <laughs> copies for me. I'm fine with that. Listen, I, I the only thing I wish is that they were the silver version with a kind of extended edition of them. I I really liked that show. So she didn't watch it until about like six months ago, so yeah. she did not know about the hype until it's it was way too late, honestly. So I haven't really? seen the the originals. I haven't seen like the original dub or sub that they completely just scrubbed from the internet. I've only seen the new Netflix version because you can't right. find the original one anywhere. And I met um, John Swayze recently, and he was talking about how upset he was that he can't find any of his work from that show because they just completely scrubbed it. Because, yeah, they brought him uh, back for at least the first two or three remake movies. Yeah, but then they, so he's in all of the rebuilds, (laughs) but in the the Netflix dub. No, I thought he was in the Netflix dub still, Mm -hmm. wasn't he? Or did he get completely redubbed? Completely recast and redubbed. So he isn't in the new show, which is the only one that we had access to. So that's the only one that I've seen, but I really want to see the original. That that is more common for voice actors than you think. It happened for me with uh, the disastrous life of Psyche K, uh, because I played the character in that in the seasons that they released. They even put him on Netflix with my voice. But then when they started doing the OVA, uh, Netflix went with more California talent. So like it was completely scrubbed. It was all new players for every character. I didn't even think about that as like a separate thing because I thought for the most part, like Netflix does bring on most of the like work from like they share the dub with Crunchyroll most of the time. (laughs) So it surprises me when I see certain projects that get picked up specifically by Netflix for Netflix's in-house dubbing. Because I guess I never really sense the difference. I mostly just watch all of my anime on Crunchyroll anyways. So it's like I never see the Netflixification of it until it's like already too late. Well, in the case of that one, I think that was a very specific, unique situation because uh, we, I'm less things have changed recently. It's still slapstick comedy anime doesn't do great in America. I mean, you can see like Sergeant Frog, for example, where they just cut that thing, nipped it in the bud. And you can't uh, find it online anymore. Anywhere because no one has license for it anymore. Um, I think, I think, uh, what was it? Uh, there's that anime company that releases old stuff. I think they might have released the DVDs that have been produced, but I, think I need to one. buy it because it was my favorite series, my favorite <laughs> fucking series. No one else watched it but me. Like mm-hmm. everywhere I know, I go to my little anime cons. No one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm like, please God, someone understand because this was my crush. This is the first start. I was a Vegeta fanboy, but I didn't have any anime for like myself. This was my first time crushing on Christopher Sabat. Like this is my first fucking time with him voicing that little dumb frog. And <laughs> I can't get it anymore. Yeah, right? it's, it kind of I ran into- how many episodes we have talked about Sergeant Frog. <laughs> and I think this is like the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, yeah, so like Psyche K kind of ran into that same thing because it was also considered technically slapstick. So I, there's no way for me as a voice actor to know metrics of how well a show might do on its website. But eventually it did kind of become clear that like they weren't necessarily going to renew that license. So I think uh, Crunchyroll was just like, hey, we're going to, I have a Crunchyroll. Uh, Netflix was like, hey, I'm just going to buy what you've already made. So like all the English stuff went on there. And that got it popular because it was on Netflix. It's a good show, but it was like one of those ones that, uh, you know, it, I think it got the attention because of how many things uh, that made it unique on Netflix as opposed to a full anime site. So it got oddly popular. So then when they released the, the OVA or anything new, they don't necessarily use the old talent that way because Netflix books their own stuff through other studios and stuff like that. So up to a certain point, the studio can reach out to I suppose, actors that did it before, but more often than not, it's, I think, for whatever reason, I'm going to assume it's logistics. It's easier just to start fresh and get talent that they already have access to. I don't know all the information that way. I feel like that also happened with JoJo, like when it got picked up specifically for the Rohan OVA, but I kind of guess I didn't realize it because that was dubbed after the death of Billy Kemet, so it's not like we could get Josuke's voice actor anyways right. so i guess i just never processed it as like a well also rohan's fucking voice actor is um <laughs> someone that we don't like so i guess i just never acknowledged it as like a netflix thing either i always just kind of assumed we were rolling that out like as a natural thing but that is a really good example of like ovas once they're taken by netflix they just want to do it themselves which is okay it's fine it, you know it's a lot has changed you know with the uh, with people doing voice acting remotely because the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. So like the opportunity to reach out to veteran talent at a distance is possible, but there's a lot of logistics and a lot of uh, bureaucracy that kind of gets in the way sometimes of getting those things set up, whether it's pay, whether it's access to that talent at that point, whether they're still alive, if the show's really old. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There, there's always kind of a tough side of that. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's just reality of being a voice talent. Is yeah. that sometimes you'll, like, you'll see a show, like, the thing that, the weirdest feeling I got was seeing a trailer for that anime, because, of course, the talent that I was working on at the time was talking about it and going, huh, I didn't know they were making a new one. That's not my voice. Yeah, and then they drop uh, it, you're like, hmm, that's <laughs> not me. Yeah, <laughs> so, just an interesting thing, a reality that you end up picking up. So, you have been a voice actor pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. So Correct. do you have a preference for working remotely versus working in a studio? I definitely prefer, I mean, there, there's obviously benefits to working remotely. Like my apartment not is not necessarily set for recording, that sort of thing, even though I had to. Um, I like recording in person. Um, <laughs> I like recording in person uh, because being able to get a actual like positive synergy with a director and an engineer is a lot easier to do when you're seeing them face to face. There's a lot more of that direct feedback that way. There's a lot of, and I've been on both sides of that curtain because uh, for about six months of the pandemic, uh, I was also engineering some anime on the side. Um, and the, tr the sorcery that's involved to make that work and the fact that the sorcery would change every week on how that works made that as a, I keep on saying the word logistics because it's true. The logistics of doing that was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, 
because you'd end up getting like, I mean, the easiest side of it is you'd get this perfect take from a talent. And then because you're connected to the internet, you'd end up getting a blip and go, oh, sorry, all that monologue you did, we got to do again because it blipped. Sorry. Um, also, everything was lagged. Sometimes you couldn't connect to people. Um, I mean, the nice benefit is if you have your own booth, you can literally roll out of your bed and go, oh, I got to scream for three hours and then roll into your booth. Um, <laughs> and it's everyone's closet. It's everyone's closet. <laughs> exactly. And for the first part of the pandemic, uh, obviously, this was back when Crunchyroll was, or that side of Crunchyroll was still Funimation. They were still trying to figure out how to get this to work. And especially with Funimation, they work with talent, you know, actors of all sorts, theater actors, veteran actors that work on TV. So, I mean, a lot of them didn't have personal recording booths, especially at the start and with how sudden it was. A lot of the talent they wanted to use didn't have them. So they provided us with these recording kits, which were like iPads connected to pretty decent microphones. So like, I, I know for a fact that like at least for a year and a half, I was recording anime out of my closet in my bathroom which is like the worst place to record that sort of stuff because yeah. I have a cat that's very needy and wants to be known that their presence is there. Um, plus it was a lot of times it was during the summer. So air conditionings make sounds. I had to turn off my air conditioning sometimes just to record. So like, luckily there was no webcam, but it was like 30 minutes in just drenched. <laughs> <wet>. um, <laughs> um, and yeah, the, the method of their madness was something like, again, it was that sorcery that kept on changing as the time progressed. And it was, it was wild west. <laughs> the easiest yeah. way to describe it. I can definitely see the preference there to being in person and just say, just give me the script. Let me stand here in your cool air conditioned room. <laughs> I oh, don't yeah. want to go through everything at my house. And I mean, there was the, I mean, the nice benefit, I suppose, is that especially if you live in busy cities, like I live in Dallas, like it's not necessarily the easiest place to drive in the world. LA is infamous for that as well. Um, sometimes the idea of like, hey, we need you to come in for 15 minutes, drive across town so you can record us can be like, oh, <laughs> not at 5 p.m. with rush hour. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um so like there was that benefit of recording in person where it's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I can schedule that. I'll just wake up and stuff in my closet and I'm done. So do you still have the option to do that now? Like, are they still willing to work with you remotely for really small sessions like that? Uh, I think circumstantially, there are certain situations where they do. Um, I can speak for different studios on that side of it because everyone kind of has their own viewpoint on it. Um, some shows have the, like some companies have the preference of recording in person. Uh, which I totally get. Um, there was a lot of like ways to mitigate contact, a lot of ways to keep people from having to get too close. They cleaned everything. They made sure that like, I know at the old the old studio, because they're, now they're in that really fancy building in Capel. And the old one, like they were getting people to come in every now and then. But like when you got there, the building was empty. And there was just a person on the phone telling you where to go. Like it's um, when you. Like it was jail. And you went into the studio, there was no director or engineer in the room because they were remoting from separate rooms. So one would be on the other side of the office, one, the director would be from home, all connected to the system. You'd have to close the door and put the headphones and then hear all this at once. And then there was arrows that would lead you out so you wouldn't run into another talent or someone that was going to clean the space. So like it, they went wild. Um, up That's until now though- That's a horror movie. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> 
it feels go into weird. your booth and do your lines and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, like my brain wa- wanders in different places, but I know that sometimes I went to the studio and it felt like I was walking into a le- level of Resident Evil because it was like I'd walk into this room door that was locked and there's nothing there and the lights are turned out and I'm walking to this booth with one light on. <laughs> it, it felt like the zombie was around the corner kind of thing. The booth has a quest for you. It does. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am thankful that we're able to record in spaces. Obviously, um, we're still dealing with a lot of illness situations, and I certainly take my own personal precautions that way. And some studios still record remotely. Um, I, I've done some work for studios like uh, Studio Nano and stuff like that, uh, connected by studio booths and things like that. Uh, I've done work with Sound Cadence where the director wasn't there. Uh, so like the engineer was behind a glass wall and things like that. So each person kind of takes the trick a little differently. It's so wild to hear everyone's experiences talking to um, all of the different voice actors through our podcast of just <laughs> what it was like before, what it was like during, and now how how the industry is emerging in all these different branches. And we talked to Chris about thinking. it. Yeah. Chris is like, I got my own studio set up. We're good. Like I'm, I'm an independent, like <laughs> I'm set here. We're good. Okratron's great. I'm like, okay, Chris, what about the other people? <laughs> <laughs> the people who had to go to their closets bro he's like yeah well. and sunny street mentioned that like he just moved back to texas from connecticut because he <laughs> needs to get new rules so it doesn't even matter necessarily if you have the remote capabilities if your current gigs are coming to a close you still have to be present physically to try and get your foot in the door for a different role well, and you also have to think of the separation between uh, uh, the average show that someone like Crunchyroll will get, which is a seasonal 12 episode, 13 episode sort of thing, versus One Piece, which is its own yes. unique piece. Because, right. because they've been doing One Piece for over a decade, um, there's so much different logistical rules from it. They were casting and recording the show during the pandemic. I did a lot of my work in Whole Cake arc, you know, never seeing a director, just hearing them over my headset. Um, not even including that, that means that there's talent from all over the world. Some people uh, get changed because so much time has passed, as I mentioned, they pa- unfortunately pass away and they have to be replaced. Um, in the case of like a lot of whole cake people, a lot of them were mingling with California talent, stuff like that. So even when they, you know, One Piece has a habit of bringing back people from 10 years ago. Yeah. So like that's one of those things that they're their own thing. And Sonny, you know, playing Usopp on a regular basis. We always um, need him. Yeah, they always need him in almost every episode. So, like, he could probably get that no matter what. And he and that obviously is going to get con invites so he can make profit off of that. But if he wants to voice new things, you know, the average show, it's... I'm going to bring that word logistics again because it's fun to say. Um, it's, it's easier to be like, hey, we can reach out to a lot of these uh, very talented people here to get these shows that have one episode a week turnaround. You know, so it's a lot, it makes a lot more sense to bring people in that are that close, especially with how much, how many people are contracted performers there. They got quite a few people to go through. Yeah. It's just so fascinating to like hear everybody's different perspectives and all the I, I, logistics, the name of the episode, all the <laughs> logistics behind it and um, what goes into planning for every single individual recording session. And it's mm-hmm. it's been so cool just to have the peek behind the curtain for this incredible industry that we all love very dearly, um, but to be able to actually put faces to the voices and to talk to everyone that's been involved. And I just, I love hearing all of your 
let, let me show you behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man. No, pay all the attention to the man. I want to see. I want to know what's going on. And also just speak on the fact that during a point where most people were trapped on their in their home for that period of time, like we, I won't say we, because I'm not necessarily involved in that facet, but, but a lot of these companies were producing content when no one else was. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that came to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of extra work being put into a lot of sacrifices in different ways to make it function. Um, and it's surprising when you think about how far a lot of these shows continue to go through 2020, 2021 and into 2022. Um, it was, a it was an experience and it was a completely new experience for everyone. Talent, people behind the system, directors, producers, everyone. It was constantly being like, okay, we don't know what to do at this point, but we're going to figure it out. Um, and especially compared to like how dubs used to be where, you would end up hearing about this show and be like, oh, well, they might dub it in six months, maybe. Um, nowadays, like, there was, even though there were delays, like, these shows are coming out like that, like, super quick. Some of them are coming out the day that they're announced. Yeah. Like, so, Detective like, Kaizen's been fully caught up on its dub, basically, in every single language. Like, as soon as one episode goes up in Japanese, every single language has theirs up in the next dub. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the timing is on that, where Japanese studios like, yeah, okay, we'll drop it now. You guys ready? Cool. But. It's uh, it can be a little wild sometimes. Um, I know that uh, one of the shows I was working on had a delay, uh, so we didn't get one of the new episodes until like the day it was supposed to come out. So they had to start recording it that week to finish it. So there was a week delay, and people were like, "Where is it?" It's like we just got Guys, it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, so many it's... of the anime fans are spoiled now for that reason, and I don't want to yeah. sound like a boomer, but like. <laughs> It's just, yeah, just be patient for a week, please. You say that yeah. now because you have to watch One Piece in sub. You're only saying that now. You were the baby that needed the dub every time. Exactly. No, but there's a difference because I watched anime whenever it was premiering on Adult Swim and had to wait for like two to three weeks between One episode episodes. a week. Yeah, and then <laughs> maybe it would be a filler or recap episode. So exactly. Like I happen. remember when they announced Naruto Shippuden and everyone was losing their minds, and I'm like, can I just get Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, please. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> uh, but I mean, even keep in mind One Piece itself. I know we bring that up a lot. I, I love that show. I love uh, that show. <laughs> is, uh, think about how far they are right now with it. Like, if you watch their socials, they're talking about going into the thousands. I recently recorded uh, some of it, and it's like, we're getting really close to being caught up. And it wasn't that long ago that we were three, four hundred episodes behind, even yeah. further. Anthony no. can't get mad at me now because it's been so long. But Anthony was like, yeah, we're past a thousand. When we interviewed him f- a few months ago, he's like, yeah, we're we're almost there, y'all. It's kind of scary. I'm like, okay, can you tell us how far? And he's like, off air. And then he <laughs> revealed several characters to us. I don't want to say just because it's past and those characters have yeah. been announced. I don't want to be the one to be like, we knew about that early. But <laughs> yeah, it was kind of scary being like, yeah, these characters who don't show up until... 997 um they've been dubbed this whole time like wow yeah and <laughs> it used to be weird. like you record for that stuff you couldn't announce it until like a year later mm-hmm. and the thing is like uh i uh it it really is a soft spot for me because uh when i first record like had opportunity to even audition for that show i didn't watch it um this was back when i was like just out of high school 
um, I auditioned for the main cast because um, I walked into the studio and asked for an audition, which don't do that. <laughs> this was a long time ago. This is back when you were able to do that, when it was... Like, yeah, one of my college professors was like a minor character in an anime called Samurai 7, a long time ago. And he's like, yeah, you know that like Funimation's like down the block from your college you're going to, right? So me not knowing anything about etiquette, about being an actor, a voice actor, just like, boy, I'm young. I don't care. I'm going to walk in there and ask. Um, and I did and just dropped his name and got the audition and then quickly realized after doing so that like I did not know what I was doing. Oh, man. Uh, not everyone gets a second chance at that, let me tell you. Um, but uh, going down from that, like the first show I ever recorded for was One Piece. Uh, I even remember the name of the, because often you get started with bits, background characters, wall of groups, things like that. Um, and most of the characters you'll have, especially in One Piece, will be named like Beast Pirate, something B, uh, Navy Officer, something that. My bit was a character named Unfortunate Pirate. Um, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so I always remember it. Uh, and the fact was that uh, he was unfortunate. I don't know if you remember this part, but uh, it's about it's Yusuke's kid talking about the new world and he literally crucifies a guy oh my god what? i know exactly who that guy is because i was not and long it, and i was the dude that's like dude the, the the new world's nuts and then he's just like yeah cool you're not here to make it i'm gonna crucify you so it's just him in the background all scarecrowed up it's terrible it shows all the dark when you actually put into words um and then from there like and then i end up voicing another bit of a character who like two years later, I was brought back to record the OVA because they did the OVA of like Sabo's backstory. Mm -hmm. And I was like a random CP character in the background. And they're like, they oh, want to make sure that was consistent. Oh, yeah. They put a lot of work into that for sure. And they'll even play back your old like two year old voice acting. And it's one of those like, oh, God, I was really bad back then. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. That show is is wild in that way of just the amount of talent. And I mean, if you think about any other big show, like, I mean, I guess the closest thing you can think of that way is maybe the Dragon Ball series. But even then, when you think about it, like Dragon Ball Z was maybe a handful of episodes over 100. Yeah, it was a little bit over 100, but everyone that we had was such a closed cast compared. Like, we didn't introduce new characters that often. And if yeah. we did, it was only in batches of maybe five or six per like for everybody, not even just villains. And so it's like whenever we introduced new people in, there wasn't that much to keep track of. Except for maybe in Super where they added all those galaxies and, yeah. and universes. And <laughs> yeah. That definitely really made it blow up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why I thought it was kind of special. It's just the amount of people where it's just like, oh yeah, your character's back 10 years later. Um, I know I, I've talked to Brian Massey who plays Dragon and he's just... And yeah! His, <laughs> and his unique timbre is just like, are they ever going to bring back that character brother? And uh, I'm just like, well, I read the manga. Yes. In 15 years. It's like um, when they call up Shanks every time and be like, listen, dude, you get to say more things. You got to come end this war again, bro. Get it over here. Yeah. Oh, I love Brandon. And I always think about those ideas where it's like, hey, I know you haven't been back in three years. We just need to be able to say, I knew you'd make it, Luffy. All right, you're out. <laughs> and that's it. Get your check, King. That's how I felt. Yep. Um, this is how we got John Swayze and John Gremion was like, hey, how do you guys feel about finally getting to like do a job again? Because we have to record Mihawk and Crocodile again after yep. like 
I guess what when did Paramount War come out? Because that's the last time we've heard from Crocodile. It's been like oh. almost ten years, probably more than ten years. Because Dressrosa yeah. was twenty sixteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would have been that would have been in the five hundreds. Dressrosa would leave in the seven hundreds, but there was also yeah. that big break period between going from. So like when I first recorded, like that was just right before the break. Mm-hmm. Um, through and I'm sure that situation has been explained before, but that break period where uh, they were just starting to roll into uh, uh, shoot uh, the fire and ice island, punk hazard, uh, punk hazard. Because you had to do uh, Buffalo like, right there, right? Because yeah, well, that was even before Buffalo. Okay, that was even, that was even before Buffalo. Um, I was doing a bunch of G5 people and stuff like that, and uh, then when we got it back. Uh, I was called in to do bits for bits for one piece, which often you'll get an email being like, "Hey, just come and record for this time without being specific." Um, okay. I, <laughs> so you know, it's, which makes it fun. It's always a surprise. You might go in and record a normal dude. You might record a duck. You never know. Um, we're talking whale shark, which is actually something I did. Um, but I went in, and it was just uh, Anthony Bowling, who just recently had picked up the project at that time, was like. Yeah, I, I know you have experience, and I think calling in for bits, honestly, like, I have a character that I can't cast. I don't know who to do this with. Um, and they showed me a picture of Buffalo, you know, big teeth, you know, and this ridiculous character, and it was just like, oh, big opportunity to be in my favorite show now? Uh, okay. Um, so I just remember him describing each of his features and in the booth, my face was like shifting to become Buffalo as it did. So it's like his head's forward, his teeth out, his mouth's open. And it just informed the entire read on his physical description. Um, so that's how I got that one out of nowhere. <laughs> hey, then, we don't know how to cast this guy. Can you try and just work that yeah. out? Oh yeah. Um, and I ended up recording for that character for a couple of years because, you know, he, Dressrosa is a long arc. <laughs> so long arc. But um, you had two roles because you also had to play that goddamn lion in Dressrosa <laughs> too. How did that go? Because I thought Argyle? I don't know. Was that his name? Agio. First Agio off, and yes. he belongs to the pirate hunter who looks like a captain, which makes no sense. Um, yeah, I thought they don't normally cast two people for a single arc. How did how did getting over being two with Agio? So, I guess. I mean, there was one nice benefit is that when they cast me and the Buffalo role was that, I mean, I think you can clearly hear that I don't sound like the character on the normal. So like, even in those situations, uh, I'm pretty vocally flexible. Uh, so getting that character that was really deep and down and like my throat had to widen and stuff like that, that literally I, I, the conversation came up was like, hey, if we need to cast you as someone else, like no one's going to know the difference. Just don't uh, do that voice again and you're good. Exactly. Um, so like when, especially when it comes to animals and things like that, like, unless you have, I mean, if you have that trainer to hear me like that, I mean, good job for you. It's not something I can do. Um, there you go. Um, so that situation, it was like, no one really knew. And if there was more characters that sounded like me, a lot of them were like background people and stuff like that, that sounded like my normal voice. Uh, but when it comes to those weirder characters like that, that's a really opportunity to play. Um, I love being cast as random monsters and creatures and things like that. Um, it's also because you have a D&D background, so it's like, that, you're I doing do that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like, I didn't start D&D until after I, or after a while of being a voice actor. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that helped a lot. I mean, obviously, but later. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, 
So a lot of that has helped me as a performer, like being very comfortable and just trying new things and seeing what sticks. Um, because especially when you start new, you're, you're in this kind of constant fear of like, oh, if I, if I do anything wrong, they'll never use me again. Oh, and you get in your own head and you don't try to experiment. But I've learned quickly. I learned from watching Ian Sinclair work um, was uh, I got to actually engineer a session with him. It, I don't know if you've watched Kaguya-sama Love is War, but he's the narrator on that. And I got to do a couple sessions with him as the narrator on that. And I got to watch his the way he does things where he'll go, he would do like a wonderful take. It would make us burst out laughing. And then he goes, oh, no, 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 wait, I have a better idea. Let me try this. And it was constant. Like, even when he hit a heart mark, he'd always think of a dynamic way to change it up and do something different. And I was like, you know what? He's, he's having so much more fun with this. And he's being more open to ideas that like, I want to start doing that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have learned that first because my first name role was literally like they pulled me into the booth, not telling me anything about the character. And I didn't audition for them. It was a minor character. Yeah. Um, and when I looked at them, uh, they had this goofy green Afro, goofy face and things like that. So I'm like, so I'm like hey, hey, what if I make a joke and I do this weird voice? They'll be like, ah, that, do a normal voice and move on. No, I did the weird voice and they said, okay, moving to the next line. And I had to do two seasons in this cartoon voice that I thought would never work. Um, so uh, I love that kind of experimentation and trying things out. It's a lot of fun. And then I end up uh, reaching up to even playing that minor antagonist uh, for the Charlotte crew in Whole Cake, mm-hmm. which is not my normal voice, but it's just going to the gruff variants, kind of hiding a lot of yourself. Um, I went back to go watch those because, you know, Snack only has like maybe two episodes and they're like... an important character, oddly. It, yeah, where it's like, it's like, wow, this is why Roger was here? Who's that guy? Yeah, <laughs> but, um, I was watching back because I like to do my little bits of research. But the cadence between both Snack versus like Buffalo is so different. I honestly would not have recognized you as both if I didn't have like your anime news network up. I, I, <laughs> I, I simply would have just would I wouldn't have known. It's such a good difference between the two. And some talent are are situated in positions where they can do that more than others. A lot of times I'll do that, and again, it's that thing I picked up from Ian where it's like. I'm just going to try. The worst thing they're going to say is that, oh, let's not do that. Let's try something else or we'll alter what you did. Mm-hmm. So like kind of that shoot for the stars thing and you might figure it out kind of deal. And that was one of those, especially going up to snack. It's like, again, is one of the situations doing so few lines with them of going like, hey, you're in the booth. This is the character. Go. So a lot of it was like, ah, quickly, how do I make this guy sound? A little bit based on the Japanese, but I don't want it completely to sound like the Japanese. Uh, I'll do this. And then it just comes out that way, uh, luckily. What helped first the first time I record for them that I was just getting over a cold. <laughs> and then I was just like, I got to do it now, now that I'm healthy. So uh, thank you, Illness, and using its power to do performances, I suppose. Um, so do you have a background in acting like as a stage actor or anything like as a kid? Did you do any any actual um, like theater or anything like that? Or is voice acting really just your your main acting experience? So I came actually more from music um, as a instrumental performer, uh, singer, things like that. Uh, when I was young, I, I mean, I think naturally most actors you'll meet will have this kind of inherent genetics of being hams um and so like especially if you get two actors in a room 
they get weird <laughs> because oh, a lot yeah. of it comes into like, oh, theatrics. And you start getting kind of goofy with your fellow actor. And I was just like that guy naturally. Um, I liked acting. I always thought I had more, I was going to be more of a film person after music kind of faded away. I didn't see a career and I just enjoyed it. Um, that it had its elements of helping. Uh, but there were points where I was like, I don't feel comfortable in front of a camera a lot of times. Um, plus these performers that I'm really liking and, and no one ever talks about are these people that voice these cartoons and anime and things like that. And there was just this whole world that kind of got opened up to me when I was watching things like Batman, the animated series and uh, Yu Yu Hakusho and, you know, basically going to watch Toonami, Kids WB, things like that, that just put you all these people that up until that point, And I'm sure you, if you end up asking a lot of people, you never really think about the actor behind the character. And yeah. I started getting really like, oh, I love this cool things. Oh, these people are being used in these shows more often. So I'm starting to see anime where I hear hearing the voices. I had no idea that that was the thing that was happening in the state and the city that I was living in. That was <laughs> something I didn't learn until way later. That was just coincidence. Um, I'm one of the rare voice from? actors in Dallas that's from Dallas. <laughs> so, you are from Dallas. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, I'm in Fort Worth, so literally right next door. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. It's the same deal. Um, but uh, I just end up getting this kind of interest in getting involved in that kind of thing. Didn't know if it was ever going to work. Um, and as I mentioned, my first audition was like thrown into the deep end kind of thing. I'm glad that Colleen doesn't remember me from back then because I, again, no business in being in that room asking all the wrong questions. You know, when will I hear back from you? Oh, I didn't hear back from that email in a month. I'm going to email them to find out what's up. You know, things you just don't do. And so after doing that and kind of going, you know what, I should probably do a bit more research in the thing I actually want to do. Um, so it took a long time uh, of grinding and out, doing amateur work, um, things like that, working with a lot of different people that eventually made it up to different levels of going, hey, I worked with this guy, ten, you know, 10 years ago. He's pretty good, which is what happened to me. Um, I did a indie video game. When was this? Like 2009, about something like that. Um, and the director, at least the casting director uh, on the series, was uh, was Afia, um, who's done a bunch of stuff for Funimation, Crunchyroll, things like that. Um, and then ten, almost 10 years late, later to the day, the creator of that indie was going to make a sequel, brought me back, and she, out of the blue, sent me an audition for another indie thing. By that point, I was kind of on the, I was in my late 20s going, you know, I should just quit this thing. It's not happening. Like, I'm keep on saying it will, you know, dreaming it will, but nothing's, I don't know what I'm doing. And there's, and I'm starting to get 30. I need to move to something else. Mm -hmm. But I'll get this one audition. What's the worst that could happen? They cast me off of that audition uh, as a character. And then literally like one day later, I get an email going, hey, we need you to come in to record for One Piece. The show you auditioned for, uh, I want to say at that point, let me see, almost 10 years later. <laughs> so um, it was a, one of those like bug-eyed, get the hands wiping the eyes kind of thing, moment. Um, she recommended me after that audition because you know it stuck. That one at the point where I thought I was going to quit. Mm -hmm. um, and then well, the rest happened. <laughs> so That's awesome. Uh, even if your dream's about to die, stick to your dreams a little bit. Folks. Just, just keep going at least a little bit. Yeah, see what happens. That's keep the best the thing. Ever. And the also, worst like, we can say is no. Like that's yeah. 
the best that could happen is unimaginable, but the worst someone can say is no. That's all you have to keep going off of. Well, and, and so many people speak of like the luck parameter to a certain point. I, there are certain aspects of luck, but luck is persistence combining with opportunity. Mm-hmm. The only reason a lot, you know, I'm able to stick in the, the reason I'm able to stick in this industry as long as I have is at this point I've hit seven years pretty much consistently recording there was I just kept on getting involved. I kept I, I kept on showing that I had passion for it. And when I had opportunities, I worked my ass off to make sure each opportunity stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously there's there's being in the right place and knowing the right people. But like, I think there's a, there's a definite, um, there's definitely strength in sometimes fighting through those moments of self-deprecation, which everyone ends up getting. A lot of people end up going, oh, this is never going to work. I'm not talented and things like that. But like, if you really want something and if you continue to work your hardest to get to it, you'll have opportunities show up to you down the line. It sometimes just takes people longer than others. For me, it took a long time. And honestly, I learned a lot from that. I learned to be more patient. I learned to enjoy the moments when they happen, which when you're working in this world, you don't always get to do. It's such a rush sometimes that you don't even realize what you're doing until it's over. Me, I like to kind of sit in the room and kind of breathe in uh, the environment because I just love to do it. I love doing voice work. I love performing. So any chance I'm actually in the booth being that, is such an honor and it's you know i couldn't be luckier for doing it because there's so many people who've always wanted to do it. it's something i've always wanted to do and the fact i get to do it i every day i'm thankful for being able to do it that's palpable like you're that makes me smile i can feel like the the warmth and the love you have for what you do swell like i i physically can feel it because of how highly you <laughs> speak of it it makes me so happy to hear Aww, I, 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 love, I love this kind of work it I love it because it brings me my own personal pleasure from it, obviously. Being able to goof off and laugh and reach dramatic places, things like that, is incredible. I, but I'm also someone who's just always loved the idea of entertaining others. Um, so, like, the idea of uh, making people laugh, you know, and or just making people feel something. Like, when you try to think about it, it's like, not you're not going to reach everyone, especially in anime dubs, or one of the most... Uh, love it or hate it kind of uh, actors you could try to find out in the world. Um, but I, but when I think about those people that I've, I, I always stick to the mind of, so I've done a couple of conventions and one of them I went to, I remember mentioning a show I worked on and I could see this like 12 year old girl in the back that was with her dad and her face just lit up, just go, Oh my God, I can't believe you're that. And I remember it to this day, just seeing that thinking like I made a difference to them somehow. Um, and that's just, that's one of the coolest things you can get out of a job. I love that part of it. Um, that was like us with Anthony Bowling, that Parker was like, ah, oh, One Piece. And I'm like, you are in Konoto Tomare. No one knows what this show is. I love this so much. <laughs> like I was just losing my mind over it. That's why yeah, a lot of times it is that one random show that's like, oh yeah, I played this one show that you probably haven't heard of. And there's that one person like, oh, well, as soon as they find out that you're in it. It's so funny. Um, that's how it was for Psyche K when I went to the convention. They were like, hey, you need to get on stage and announce, you know, shows you think, you know, you're in. And I started naming some of the things I got major role in. And there was, like, applause of people who haven't heard of it, but, you know, we're trying to be supportive. And I mentioned this minor character in Psyche K. And literally, like, a bunch of people stand up, wow! And I, and I literally jumped back and was like, what? <laughs> like, I was so confused. Um 
that was a convention I went to with uh, Billy Kamitz, you know, or, uh, that he <laughs> looked over to me and he, he was just, he started laughing and just go, oh man, that's hilarious. I'm glad you're enjoying this kind of thing. That, that was my experience with him. He's a great guy. Um, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, I, I love those kind of reactions. I love being able to interact with people that care about that stuff. Um, sometimes when working in this industry, you get very interesting comments about pe- when they, people find out you're a dub actor. Yeah. Um, very humbling experience. Uh, I remember this one girl at a Target asking me, going like, oh, what's that anime character on your debit card? Because one of my friends gave me one of my characters as like a sticker to put on my card. Oh, I played this character. I voiced them. Oh, you're a voice actor in dubs? I love dubs because none of you actors take it seriously. Oh, okay. What? That's so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, like, fuck? I, uh... That's all we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just one of those Thanks. I'm just gonna go away, I guess. <laughs> this is when I bring up my favorite voice acting quote, which is when Kevin Conroy auditioned for Batman and they explained the plot of Batman to him, his initial reaction was, oh, so it's Hamlet. You you hear uh-huh. that and tell me that voice actors don't take <laughs> their shit seriously. That is so disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, the more common one is, oh, you voice in dubs? Oh, I hate dubs. And they said it like literally afterwards. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Aww. You just thumbs up because you don't know what else to say to it. Cause yeah. it's something why I don't, I don't know. It's like walking and up just, to a to an accountant and being like, Oh, you're an accountant for a living? I fucking hate math. Like it's the worst. <laughs> I hate money. Oh, you're, oh, oh you're a firefighter? I wish you'd let houses burn down. <laughs> like it's uh-huh. what okay. the fuck? Thanks. Yeah, um, I hear you on that. Um, but, I'm you know, you, you do it for the people that care. That's the reason you do it. Yeah. I am the person that cares. I care too much. Every single time I've walked up to an actor in any situation, no matter who they voice, um, I'll start crying. We walk up to <laughs> uh, Pro ZD, Sung Wan Cho, and I'm like, I, I love Cat Viper so much. I start sobbing. He's like, do you, wanna, do you want me to sign your badge? And I'm like, through tears, like, oh, I love Cat Viper. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I did that, um, and then I, we went to Jeremy's booth, and I'm blubbering, I'm crying, like I cannot help it. I'm sobbing because I just feel so much about like voice acting. Like I hear it, what it, I'm just a crybaby. I'm a crybaby all the time. I couldn't make it through Persona Five Royal because I was just sobbing because I was like, I miss Billy Kamets. I can't listen to Maruki right now, sobbing. Yeah. And I, it happens every time. Like if it's the people working on it, crying. Um, when I went to see like. When I've been watching the newest episodes, honestly, in dub, because I know Anthony now, I start crying. I'm like, he he puts so much care into the dub, and I'm sobbing. <laughs> That's like, because we're both catching up on One Piece currently. I Parker's the one that got me into it, and I am on like 1055 now, I want to say, so 1055. Yeah, you're almost so. caught up. You'll be caught and up someday. We have a, a Discord server where we all will talk about like spoiler chats and what's going on in the the current arc. And Parker's like, I can't get through two episodes. I'm crying too much. And I'm like, oh, I just finished <laughs> seven. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I went to see Psychopath, the Psychopath movie, which John Grimion is the main act, like the main bad guy in. Who's not? Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't talk for most of it. To be honest, he he's only in the five minute end bit. Um, and I was crying. I'm like, I know that guy. This is so cool. I know him. See, I get that way with One Piece anyway, because, and I feel like this is with a lot of media, is that your feelings on it are very informative of when you watched it. Uh, For me, uh, it was a binge after I went through a really bad breakup. 
breakup. Um, I was sitting there, I was depressed, and I was like, oh, I need something to distract me. Oh, I've already seen all of Bleach. It was all right. Watched all Naruto. It's all right. I've been avoiding the show One Piece. It looks pretty goofy, but like, what else am I going to watch? Give it a try. And then here's me with me- the memories, the first opening playing, and just, <laughs> just tears running down my face. I remember sobbing my eyes out at the Going Merry, um, where I was just like, I am literally like sobbing. This isn't tearing up. Um, So I watched it in a very emotional, vulnerable state. The first time I I went no lie from for two weeks, I watched it and I got to Thriller Bark in two weeks. Wow. Um, I watched it. Yeah, I was nonstop in a dark room (laughs) watching (laughs) it. And then after watching the whole thing. I rewatched it all again uh, with a more uh, in a more stable situation. Still love it just as much. I've watched it all the way through three separate times. I haven't finished it. I'm almost there. I only got into One Piece almost two years ago now, um, with episode 1000 in Japanese as my first episode. And before I had oh, to go all the way back to watch it, because I put off. I did not want to fucking watch the show. I was like, it's ugly. It's long. I don't care. Um, and then I also went through a bad breakup and the person I was talking to through that breakup, like, or like the other person was like, I love one piece. Um, I really like Sanji. I'm like, I too will like Sanji. So I started the show <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm almost caught up now. Cause I, you know, the next episode coming is a huge one. So I have to be, but every episode, I mean, made me cry. episode 1000 made me sob. I sobbed for th- almost an hour straight so much so that tears weren't coming out anymore um because i was just emotional watching it grow in my heart i mean i don't know what it's done to me to the point where like if certain scenes play like if i come by a reaction of a specific scene which is not even to watching it directly you're watching it watching someone else watch it like i will start tearing up at the same parts like like the bing sake episode where like every single time i'm like stop it (laughs) You've seen this 800 times. Um, but yeah, there's there's just moments like that that kind of trigger that kind of response in me, um, which I guess is a passionate part of loving it, but also just as someone who loves uh, GMing for role-playing games and things like that, that world-building is so up my alley. It's why I like things like The Witcher and stuff like that, is I love yeah. to like logistically have the machine work. And that no matter how complicated the machine is, which in the case of One Piece is hugely complicated, if all the parts make sense, even if it takes time, that's genius to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those few shows I do because, you know, as much as you can talk about Naruto being big, it's one of those ones where it's like, if you opened up the complicated machine, there's a lot of gears that are moving that aren't moving anything. Or it doesn't make sense. Things we forget, things that don't ever get touched upon, or they just get written off almost because it's like, we don't have time. Yeah, but in one piece, we got nothing but time. And it's nice when you um, develop an intricate but logistical framework. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep on saying that word. I'm stuck. Um, but but a but a framework where you can write a story, or even you don't even have to think hard about the story, but you can write write stories in the world. But because it's so detailed and in depth, it'll just slot in perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like it's so deep that like he, he you can make a movie, you know, like One Piece Red where it's obviously not in the path of anything, sometimes even hard to explain the point, but it makes total sense. In the, you could totally fit it. Which I remember seeing that movie when it came out with some of the, the actors that were in it. 
And I looked over to this one uh, girl who had not watched One Piece, but was just interested in watching. I'm looking like, you didn't understand anything, did you? That movie had such a high barrier <laughs> to let people in. I still told everyone who had never seen One Piece, be like, just go watch this one. Because if you don't like One Piece, you'll at least like the idol shit going on. Like, yeah. One Piece Red well, is one of my favorite movies. I watched Red in theaters with my partner, and I was only maybe 200 episodes into One Piece at the time if that yeah. like, I was still really early on and I didn't understand a lot of like some of the characters that were popping who is up that? And, who yeah. is this who's, who's this funny little guy with a giant polar bear wow like <laughs> does so, it reveal that Bluno is evil because he's here right now trying to kill us and then you watch uh, water seven you're like oh. oh but still that one had me like almost sobbing at the end it would, with Uta singing yeah. and I'm like yeah oh. <laughs> I don't know anything about what's happening, but I love her. There's only certain character deaths that tear me up. Like when it comes to Corazon, I cried. I cried so fucking hard, but I can talk about it because I love him as a character. But there's Uh certain things. I don't even have to see the scene. If you bring up Orohime holding her pinky out for her little fish kids, I break down sobbing. That's all you just have to say that. And like how much she cares about her little pinky and her little kids. I'm like, oh my fucking God. I start crying. So that scene, the pinky isn't what got me the most. It was when the two brothers started dancing to try to keep their sister from crying. That's what got see because you learn, especially in a lot of performances, that like what hurts more than normal crying and letting it out are people trying to hide it. It's way worse. It hits so hard. And and watching these people having to pretend that nothing is wrong is the worst. Um and there's a lot of that in one piece. There's so much of it. Especially in Wano, dude. Why am I seeing Toki? Like, pretend everything's chill. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh See, I did not have Ace's death spoiled for me. I went my entire fucking life as a giant anime nerd, did not know Ace died, and still to the very episode where it says in the title, Ace dies. I'm like, no, nah, this isn't real. He's going to come back. Oda doesn't kill anybody. He, I've seen the Wano figures where he's in like his little kimono. He's going to come back. It's not real. And my partner's just slowly turning to me because he knows what happens. He's like, are you sure about that, bud? And I <laughs> lost it. Like, thank you for loving me. <laughs> so for me, especially... A lot of that sadness comes from obviously like context outside of what's directly happening. So like I read the manga ahead of time, even then there was, it was more of a shock effect for me when, when it happened, because you never suspect that a big character like that would legitimately die in a shonen. Like that's, it's present day. They're not a parent. They're invincible. Um, but what really got me uh, at that moment was uh, Garp's interaction with Danda was the one that got me. Uh because uh, that got me bad. Because it really put into perspective where it's like, Ace's situation was a tragedy. But think of how this is affecting Luffy. <laughs> That's why I was just like, oh. Oh, man. that Oh, and uh, I, I'm going to bring up things that are going to make you tear up because I love this series so much. But, you know, there's those things you hear and see, especially in anime, that, like, trigger that response. Yeah. And there's a song that they play uh, mm-hmm. when, when Luffy is remembering what he still had left and he starts visioning each of his crewmates that they play and every single time it kills me they played it when chopper was moving the flag around when hero look died i'll hear that song without context i'm like oh i can't do this 
You are actively <laughs> killing Parker on air. Right <laughs> <laughs> it feels so good. Yeah. And I, and One Piece is also one of those very unique shows that I think it responds very well to an empathetic heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's so much of you relating to people that have, they're not necessarily real, but the things that happen to them are very real. And when you're able to relate them to yourself, it's it's so much more impactful. I think of like, <laughs> I'm going to keep on saying things that make you upset, but it's cool. like, a lot of people say they cried it when Nami was like, Luffy, help me. Mm-hmm. I found it sadder when she was walking up to her townmates with a big smile on her face being like, I can just do it again, like hiding it. Again, there's that hiding thing where it's just, it was, it felt like someone punched me in my heart <laughs> when that happened. Um, uh, I love moments like crying when oh, yeah. um, he told her to leave. And like they both put his little pinwheel down on the grave, broke me, broke yeah. me. I. That's why my um, because I've been watching One Piece for almost two years now, um, and I'm just now catching up because it just I needed breaks between it. Like my partner would try to put it on, I'm like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> Not an emotional state to handle I it. I started. I knew where the Odin flashback was. I started that first episode. I'm like, turn this shit off. <laughs> I need a minute because I cannot do it. I, for years, despised One Piece. I have gone on record on this podcast saying I I would never watch it. I was not going to give it the time of day. And now it's very quickly becoming one of my favorites of all time. And I think it's like, like you said, Travis, that it's things that are, that they're not real people, but it's things that happen to real people. And so you feel the, the real empathy of it. And that now that you've said that, I'm going through all the other shows that I like, like Fullmetal Alchemist. He loses almost like he loses both his parents, almost loses his brother. He becomes an amputee. He has to face war. Like that's a real thing that people go through. And then Inuyasha, like Inuyasha loses his love, like his love interest when he's very young and doesn't know how to cope with it. He's abused his whole life. And any like Naruto, he's abused his whole life. He's abandoned. He doesn't know what it is to have friends. And it's like, they're, yeah, it's a fucking picture. I understand it's a moving picture of a silly little boy, but it makes me so sad (laughs) in the best way possible. There, there's something I heard, uh, I don't know where I end up hearing it, but I think it really puts into why it's cared for so much because it, it's a show that tackles something that's so simple, but a lot of shows don't necessarily do, uh, which is heart before reason, mm-hmm. which is you'll find people that make decisions in the moment that are like, if you watch someone respond and be like, why did the character do that in one piece? They don't get it because yeah. there's going to be situations where characters will do things that don't make sense as using normal logic. Why would Bellamy say that, oh, I have money for my kids, but not for me when they were leaving? Like, that's a logic thing. Why would you do that? They were going to go away. But when you think about it from an empathy perspective, you start going, there's no way she could ever allow those kids to make them, themselves feel like they didn't belong. And so she sacrificed her life to make sure that they knew that they were loved. And that's such an emotion thing. And a lot of actors do that where it's, and that's why a lot of times I appreciate like meaty roles is you'll sit there and I'll start thinking like, how does that relate to me? Like, how can I, I understand this character's perspective and the best roles are the ones where you can just sit there and think like, you know, I can, I totally understand why they care. 
there's someone who's been hurt a lot. Maybe they don't open up. It's easy enough to say that the character is cold and they don't care about stuff. And a lot of shows do that. They'll make the character who's too cool with their arms crossed and they don't have to. But like when it starts breaking down the character and you start go realizing, oh, this is a front to cover up their fear of connection. And that's your reaction is the reason why those things happen is you you start go you start internalizing and going, you know what, when I take a character and I really break down their essence, it now makes sense to me no matter who they are. Um, I and I think One Piece gets that super well. I fall for every single emotional trope. Every single one. Um, mm-hmm. I just cannot help it. If we see someone else crying to hide it, ooh, rips me up. I see shit directly happen in front of me, crying. We're rem- reminiscing someone, I'm crying. Um, I just think it's so well written. I think it's so well acted in every single way. I think the animation framing is so detail oriented that it just, it's so cinematic in a way that just tears me to shreds because like Mm -hmm. even the Corazon Law flashback where we're revealing why Law isn't just some hard dude, but he actually has like a sense of humor and he's afraid of being around other people because, you know, the Heart Pirate crew isn't very big. Um, and so it's like, he doesn't want to be around other people and he doesn't want to rely on people and all the reasons why. And it's just like, okay, I'm sobbing. Goodbye. I can't do this. because <laughs> it's Like just, there's so much foundation of one piece being about found family that you mm-hmm. get every single aspect of it, even with the crew, without the main crew, where it's like, there's so much care throughout the entire world and it's like a lot of luffy's character is that he's everyone likes him he's likable he's empathetic he's just a beacon to come to and so whenever anyone feels that that realization of like who he is to them is also huge and i'll start crying like vivi understanding why she just got punched in the mouth and like needs to understand momonosuke understanding like who he is it's it just fucking tears me up every time it's one of my favorite series of all time because it's just there's so much and i, and I also think it's one of those shows and it's not the only show to do it but mm. i like how much you can really perceive about a character what is not being said about them um because you can especially a lot of the straw hat uh, crew is a lot of times you can get distracted by their trope mm. you can look at someone like nami and perceive greed um but like when you really think about it, it makes sense. And you realize she's not as greedy as a person as she presents. You realize when you really think about it, like as much as you can sit there like, oh, she only cares about money. In every scene where she can try to help someone she cares about, she throws the money away immediately. As soon as Kami got kidnapped, kidnapped to be sold as a slave, she's like, well, we have a hundred billion, you know, we have, you know, a hundred million uh, berries in the boat. We're just going to take it right now without hesitation. Because it's like, it's, and then you think about her past, where the reason that her mother died was because they didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. So of course she would be attached to the idea of materials to be able to, because to her, it's, it's a protective safety blanket. Mm-hmm. It's something that keeps the people she cares about safe. So of course she's going to care about having money, but her idea of having money is not necessarily to buy fancy things or be a greedy dragon it's to protect that's how she protects her crew yeah and then you go so like that's not said necessarily but like through actions of these characters and the things that aren't said you're like wow these are because a lot of people also say that the show's not deep with its characters it's like it is it doesn't have to say that it is it is so deep with its characters 
I'm yeah. a firm believer that Sanji is the best written character in the entire series because of his further depth and like whole cake and everything. But mm-hmm. also, I understand that I'm spoiled because one of my favorite, well, both of my favorite characters, because Sanji and Nami are my favorite. I'm a Nami cosplayer. Um, I will defend both of them to my grave. But the other mm-hmm. character I will always defend from everyone's mischaracterization is Usopp. I will yeah, fucking right defend here. one of my favorite characters. One of, my main, <laughs> one of our main like supporters hates Usopp. He will bring up every opportunity to just dog on Usopp, and it's like. He's the only human character that we have here. And I mean, Nami's human too, but like they're in the same vein of like, they're best friends with each other. Like you can't yeah. like Nami and not like Usopp. That's her homeboy. But also, cause now Nami, spoiler alert guys, I'm talking about Wano. Um, now that like Nami has a level up through Zeus, it's like she's slightly above Usopp. And I, I mean, there's things about Usopp I don't enjoy. Like, I kind of wish we would bring back Dials. Uh, sorry, woo, Dials. I love Dials. I love it. I, I like the concept them. of Dials. I liked the ingenuity of it. And I mean, luckily, with, like, the current manga arc, we can build back to that ingenuity. But mm-hmm. I just really think that people don't understand that Usopp's arc is not done. And so, obviously, he's not going to be as well-rounded as everybody else. Like, we have to give him the chance. And he's actively stepping forward every single time as we get stronger and stronger. We're fighting fucking kaido right now and he's like <laughs> i i just i will always defend Usopp because i there, love him to my core there's also a lot of big vocal shonen fans that mm-hmm. they compare a weakness of a character physically to their measurements of who they are as a person they'll always like i mean a lot of not comparing like the personality of zoro but some people will say i like zoro because he's strong mm-hmm. but if a character has weaknesses has faults those are always perceived as a negative to the character. And if anything, it's it's so much more... When you have a character that's weak like that, and you can make a bunch of different shows like that. A lot of people hate Shinji Akari because he cries, because things bother him. He goes through depression. And, and some people are like, I hate him, he whines too much. He's a 13-year-old kid who's lost, lost his mom and dad hates him. What do you, and he's, he's like, oh, by the way, I haven't talked to you in like 10 years. Get in this robot and save the world or we're all going to die. I know you lost your parent. I understand. Um, be a child soldier for me or else the world's going to end. Yeah. Like, that's... Well, that's, I had to tell, so, because Neb, when we got to the fight in Water 7 where Luffy and Usopp are fighting, she's like, this My is kind of stupid. Art. Like, why don't you understand this, Usopp? I had to like tell her, I'm like, hey, He's 18 years old. Like he is a he he is a teenager. These are teenagers fighting each yeah. other right now. Like it's it's not like to say that you need to give a little empathy, but like let yourself understand a little bit more the perspective. And it's like I understand not liking Usopp, but he was all alone for way too long in his life. He's never been able to depend on everybody. It's the same way, like you can argue the same thing with Sanji. And yeah, Sanji has more backstory and Sanji has more growth as he gets into new things. But we haven't found that like foil for Usopp yet, which is fine. It's okay for that. I mean, we slightly got that in red because, you know, his deadbeat deadbeat dad crew came back, but like... (laughs) We haven't gotten to that step yet. So why are we expecting like the biggest development? It's like no one complains about Frankie who hasn't done anything but fix the yeah. Sunny almost every single arc. Well, and even just talking about Water 7 is I, it's got my two favorite characters as the main like emotional focus. Like mm-hmm. Usopp and Robin are my favorites. Um, 
teenager, yes. That's definitely like, that's a big factor on why they act like that. But like the development up to the point with situations with like meeting Aokiji, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the situation on the ship was like, how, if you relate to moments where you feel overwhelmed by things and you start looking around and you realize that there's a sense that you are not doing anything to help, especially as someone who, who desires to be more than he is. Yeah. And then you watch him come to this realization of like, I don't belong here. And you can see it as early as him dealing, you know, again, with the Aokiji situation, they put subtle notes in there to go like, this is someone that for every reason that they've made, explain that makes sense, does not like himself at yeah. all. Um, and he tries to compensate in so many ways. He tries to do everything on the ship. He tries to fix it. He try, but he, But every time he shows it, it's stuff he realizes he's not good at. He can't fight. He can't. He's barely keeping the ship together. Um, and then he sees the ship breaking down. And then, in, I wouldn't describe it as thoughtless, but definitely emotional reaction is that Luffy did very little to make him feel like he belonged in that moment with his mindset, because he kind of went, "We're just going to get a new ship," without explaining what happened. He even told him that if you don't like it, you can leave. Yeah. Like when you take someone that is already thinking that they don't belong anywhere and then watching their parallel, their ship breaking down, they're getting rid of that. How long is it going to take until they get rid of me? Because I don't belong here. I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. Um, And the the emotional reaction to that will come off confrontational because he's, he's not just saying what he's saying. He, of course he is. He's, he's directly making a statement, but on top of that, He's stating that his own, he's developing his own fear of what's going to happen to him. He's afraid, you know. So when he vents like that, when things don't make sense, it goes back to the idea of heart over logic. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them was trying to do anything to hurt the other, but because of where their hearts were, they hurt each other. Yeah. And that's what led to them, at the end of it, having to fight that way. And, and I can get a tragic, like, why are you doing this, Usopp? But, like, some of the things Usopp was saying were completely right. You know, things weren't being explained to him well. Um, was he reacting emotionally? Of course he was. Um, so was Luffy. So was everyone else. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a staunch defender of that guy, too. Um, I like characters that... Every show is going to have a character for progression, but I like characters that will make progression and then make regressions. Yeah. You know, it's so much more enthralling that way. When he wanted to run away for a minute, because, okay, people bring up the fucking sugar part where he runs away because Robin gets transformed. And they're like, he's a fucking coward for doing that. It's like, he forgot her. (laughs) He didn't just do that. He forgot her. (laughs) Like, that's the whole point of the ability. Like, why are we like purposefully being obtuse to like the steps forward he's making? And it just feels like a lot of people hate Usopp for no reason. Um, so, that's my that's my soapbox. So I'm I just rewatched the episodes um, that Usopp joins the crew. Like I yeah. yesterday, I just rewatched them, and Usopp, whenever he is overcompensating and trying to stifle who he actually is because he believes he doesn't belong, is one version of him that's the front version of him 
But the true version of Usopp is whenever he is recognizing what skill he has and what skill he does not have and what he can mm-hmm. excel in. And when he's talking to his buddies, when he's talking to Onion and Pepper and the one I forget. Carrot. Purple hair. Carrot. Carrot. Um, when he's talking to all the boys and he's like, I want to be... I want to be a pirate. I want to be a captain. I want to go be a part of a crew and go out to sea. And then he immediately realizes I can't do that yet. I have to, I'm going to join this other, this other group. It's this moment of he is saying all the right things to these boys, but he's really telling it to himself. And that's how so much of his interactions are when he is growing. And those are the moments that you see true Usopp. And like Travis said, it's that regression. It's that moment of, okay, well, now I have to hide that again because I can't be true Usopp. I have to be what I think I'm supposed to be. Or we have God Usopp, where we have a completely different variation of who he believes he is. So he doesn't have his own identity because he's trying to build that up. But while he builds that up, he's someone else in the process. Well, they bring up your Dressrosa situation where he ran away and people calling him a coward and stuff. Put yourself in that situation. Like you, you get presented a situation where all you have is a slingshot and you just, you witness these super powerful figures. You're alone now. And so it's like, you could be that one guy and he eventually turns around and guess what happens to him? He gets wrecked (laughs) immediately. But there's that sense of like, I'm, this is fear and reacting to fear. I run away, which has been in before, you know, it's, but that's a very real human action it's the emotion of it and it's Um, what the majority of the people in the world of one piece do i think that because we're so far along in the story we forget that most people do not go to the grand line most people do not go to the new world everybody else in the world is similar to usopp in terms of like what the fuck is a devil fruit what are you talking about you're you're insane you're a monster i'm gonna run away and it makes so much sense when you have to remind yourself that that like no this is how most people are. You're just in this one vicinity where all of the freaks are congregating and Usopp yeah. is the only voice of reason in some moments. I was thinking of the scene in, in Annie's lobby uh, when he's spending the entire time wearing the personification, personification of bravery on his face. Yeah. But when he shows his true bravery is when he takes off his mask to challenge Lucci. Yes. Because it's, it's stopped being this fake mask of a person he wasn't was, that you actually wasn't really is but he removed it and he was now Usopp again and he did something that was legitimately brave because there was no way he would know what was going to happen to Luffy he's doing it to protect him he wasn't even thinking about that kind of stuff so it's like then you see the progression to go up to that point you're like he's such a good character (laughs) like he's so enthralling I mean it gets it can get a little bit tiresome sometimes to watch a character when it feels like the only thing they're going to do is get cooler and cooler and cooler (laughs) You know, I I like that's why I think I like um, Nami. I, I I do like Nami, but uh, Robin and, and Usopp is there is that sense of like there were moments of ups and downs on their story. Um, it's just so much more interesting. And even talking like Full Metal Alchemist, because you mentioned you're a big fan of that show as well. That was one of that's a favorite of mine as well. I got everything from it. Oh, yes, um, I love it. At the, I actually have one of the pocket watches as well. I got it from the old, old, old Funimation building. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, that's another one where it's you can see characters making really not the best decisions if you tried to think of it like chess. 
Mm-hmm. But if you try to think of it like, oh, in the moment, it kind of makes sense uh, why Ed is being so reactive to this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, he's putting himself in danger because it makes sense for his character when you really break it down. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, that's just one of the bothering things when I always just hear, why didn't they just like stick a bomb in there and let it blow up so they don't have to be involved? And it's just like, well, of course you're thinking that. Yeah. You know, you're not in the perspective of the character. Like, there's no way. Uh, or like, that's stupid. When Winry has the gun and the opportunity to kill Scar and everything just halts completely for a second. And that's like Winry's moment of regression where it's like, you've done so much to build and regrow your, and like rebuild your life and grow as a person and make these new relationships. Are you going to throw it all away for this moment of revenge? Because it'll be a moment. It won't be anything else. It's not like it's going to, it's not something that you can carry on and continue. It is one action. It will be done. And then you will be changed forever. And the fact that, Ed, who's motivated purely by spite, <laughs> yeah. tell, tells her, put the fucking gun down. You are not made to do this, is one of those moments where it's like, no, the cool guy would be like, yeah, take him out because he took your parents. Yeah. Like, Wouldn't that be the coolest thing? <laughs> it's the empathy in the moment of, I know you're hurting. I know you're lost. You can't do this. And it's so good. Ugh. Love it. Also, can I say something controversial? I don't know if it's very controversial, but I absolutely we love it. The first, if the perfect show would be if they combine the first half of the original Fiddle Metal Alchemist with the second half of Brotherhood, because without even a debate, the first half of the original series is so much better than Brotherhood's variation. Like no content. I think I agree with you on that because there's so much more that you sit with in 03. There's so many more moments where you, you, you're forced to um, really like revel in certain character arcs and certain atmospheres that in brotherhood, it goes very quickly through. And in the manga, it also moves very quickly through those moments, but the anime forces you to think about it more and think about how these people's lives are impacted. And I, there was also I, more of an emphasis on combat focus in brotherhood where everything yeah. was almost a set piece for another fight, as opposed to like, let's, there were a lot of moments in, in the original one that were obviously filler, but what it allowed you to do is sit there and digest the character. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why it was so much more impactful for me the scene with uh with the Shao tucker's whole arc was that they took three episodes to get you to care about these characters yeah um combined with the fact that they had the moscow orchestra make their music in the background compared to just the normal stuff and brotherhood oh, is oh. just like wow <laughs> like that's perfect and the um, same situation but- for uh gracia and the the Hughes family is that we yeah. see them more in 03 and then whenever Hughes dies and you have Ed talking on the train about how he just wants to try Miss Gracia's pies and like that yeah. hits home so much harder because and the character really just family. a lot more a lot more nuanced in the original I thought because you know he was a big handshake guy in, in Brotherhood the entire time but then you really got to see the various sides of him in the original plus in, in talking like the visual the visual sense of a scene um obviously the manga being it's accurate like scar goes in there kills shao tucker kills the chimera which is sad you know what was way more like punched me in my heart was the scene where 
Ed's going around the corner and just sees the blood silhouette of the chimera against the wall. That was just one of those, like, it was just better. <laughs> it was so much better. The end, And you know what? People complain about the ending. I like the ending. It's different. Um, it's different than everything. Like, nothing's quite like the ending of that show. Um, yeah. It's, it's also very it's open-ended. Nazi Germany, which is wild. Yeah, it's, it's open-ended because you can choose to end it where the anime ends, well, or you can choose to end it with uh, the Conqueror of Shambhala film. I think that the <laughs> film ties it together much nicer and yeah. is much more interesting of a, a final, like, hurrah for that kind of world. But it also does a good job of taking the building blocks of what it had and trying to piece together something that Some they knew... Pulse. Yeah, some, something that would hold and something that's still unique on its own. And I don't think that 03 is a bad anime by any means. I just think that Brotherhood is so much better structured because Arakawa had such a strong... Um, Arakawa, that's not... Is that the author? Uh, Why did I just forget? Sounds similar, I forget. But how did I just forget the name? Ah, But the, the author is um, so much more like... It is not like, Arakawa, by the way. No, it's not. Arakara, what is he? Arakara, isn't that the guy who does JoJo? Maybe no, it is. That's Rocky. That's a Rocky. No, uh, it is Arakawa. It is Arakawa. Okay, cool. I don't know why I was like Araki Arakawa in my brain. I confused them. But that she is able to to tie everything together so much better in a similar way that Oda is always so good at tying everything together. That obviously the people that were working on the show couldn't see that vision. Um, yeah. But they did really good with what they had. It just can't compete, in my opinion, to what Arakawa truly wrote. Doesn't mean it's, it's bad. It's just no. not as good. <laughs> it's definitely a view of a good author or writer in general, because um, it's a lot easier to write a, make a structure stand up when there are less parts. You know, it's small. So a smaller crew means that emotional beats are easier to hit. You can follow logistically what's happening. But the more people that get involved, it starts, you can start finding errors. And I, and I think that's what 2003 was, where it's like beautifully structured at the top. There wasn't a big cast. So it was easier to fill those things. But as soon as it started getting more complicated, some of the wheels worked and some of them didn't. Right. The, this one, I definitely think Brotherhood was bloated. There were characters they were introducing up until like 10 episodes before the ending, which is absurd. Um, but it was a big structure that worked because a lot of it tied in well. And especially at the end, everything kind of capsed into something good because everything kind of, it, it definitely filled in all the blanks. Yeah. Um, but like, man, I... I have such a strong connection to like the first half of the 2003 anime that like I'll look and be like, man, Brotherhood, why couldn't you take more time to make the Hughes death more impactful? Like the way they did it in 2003 where they have him fade away was so much more impactful than like they show a shot of him and they start playing like the soap opera whodunit music in the background when he's laying in the phone booth. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh, this is funky as shit. <laughs> you get a lot of curses, right? <laughs> I think that um, a lot of the comedy landed a little better in 03 in the early episodes. Like, I can't remember the exact quote now, but there's a, an animated bit where Ed and Al are standing out in front of a gate. I think it's out in front of Lab 5. And then Ed just does this, like, <clears throat> and, like shakes his arms side to side. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so 
so long. Like I watched that for the first time when I was 11, maybe. And it is still stuck with me because it's just, there's this personality in one little animated movement and you did it so well. And they just did Expression work in the 2003, I thought was a little really interesting because yes. there was less, you know, you'd always think comedy worked better when you had more goofy animation cells, which the Brotherhood, like they always had like, Ed looking like a bowling pin and then Al looking like a bigger bowling pin with a goofy smile on its face. And it happened a lot. In, in, their, in 2003, they didn't do it that often, but they stuck the landing when they did. Yes. And I think it really helped certain scenes. It didn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. This has been such a fun conversation, Travis. <laughs> I, I love gushing about anime, especially with people that are involved directly with it and that like you're a part of the reason why we get to love One Piece. And so thank you for being a part of that thing that we love so much. Totally. And, and the thing is, like, it's a part of me being a fan of acting, but it's also being a fan of the craft. I, I like I like a lot of these shows. Do I work on a bunch of shows that I, that I don't like? Eh, I still find joy in doing them. But, like, as you can tell, like, I get invested in world building and I get invested in... I guess recognizing the characters, getting the feel for them. So like when a good show sticks out like that, like as you can tell, I can nerd out about these things for yeah. <laughs> for a long time. Um, <laughs> I could, I mean, I, that was one reason I was talking about One Piece and I kind of went, if we keep on going, this is not going to stop. I'm going to find something else to talk about because there's so much to this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love talking about those kind of things about it. It's it's so much fun. And getting to voice those characters is so, so cool. It's one of the coolest things to do in the world. Um, and it's so cool to meet people that actually, you know, care about those kind of things as well. Because half the time, you know, most of the people that hear about my anime stuff are, are like, I, I went camping recently and my family is like, yeah, we watched that show that you're in. Uh, what was with all the perverted stuff? I was like, you weren't supposed to watch that. <laughs> like, not that one. Watch a different yeah. one, not that one. Oh yeah, it was. That was one of those like it's the tough thing. Especially uh, some of my family follows my Instagram, so I posted an announcement for this one show not too long ago, and I play somehow the most perverted character in an already perverted show. Um, so like, I had a blast doing it. It was so much fun. But like, anytime anyone would ask about it, I'm like, well, it's you know, it's. It gets a little rough sometimes. Pick and choose your spots. I'll just show you clips. You don't have to necessarily watch it. Uh, and then, like, found at that camp out, like, yeah, we watched the first two episodes. Oh, watched please don't. Movie. Yeah, I should have asked me first. Um, I, I've had this weird habit of being cast as the pervert with the heart of gold. I don't know why. I think it's because I naturally have a friendly voice. So they're like, hey, you can play this goofy weirdo. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> You should see all the Discord when it comes to Yamauchi from Classroom of the Elite. Like, he's such a creep um, that I, I won't spoil it, but there's just a lot of, like, weird internet trollage when it comes to this character. Um, my The first con I went to was literally, like, this table of girls waiting for me to show up after a lunch break to go, oh, you played the perverted character in this show? Um, which was, like, 10, 13-year-old girls, and I was just like, yeah, you know, it's it's a job. Work. <laughs> yeah. It's a living. It's a living. Um but uh yeah, I mean that's that's part of the gig. 
It's not that, obviously, no one does these gigs investing in the viewpoint of the character you're performing. If anything, it's just an outlet to have fun with. Yeah. And, you know, I play, I once played a perverted giant squid deity who was perverted. I don't relate to this character at all. <laughs> so, but you know what hell. it was? It was fun as hell. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Um. That was also the best email I ever received, too, which is like, can we book you for two hours to play giant squid deity? And it was one of those, um, excuse me? <laughs> I've never been asked that before. <laughs> so it was just me doing my Plankton impression from Spongebob for two hours. And which show is oh. this? I'm very curious now. Oh, it's a long, jeez, it's, it's a very, you know, one of those super long light novel yeah. titles. Uh, came out last year. Um, um, is it uh, the kamikaze working for a goddess in a goddess field one? That that's the perverted one I did recently. Okay, okay. Um, he that was not a squid, but he was oh, a creature. I, I'm scrolling oh. through to get the the um, sauce on it. Stalking you on Instagram. Don't mind me if you see me like <laughs> while I scroll. Yeah, that's just a problem sometimes, especially with all these light novel things. Like if someone asks you the title, it's like, boy. It's probably something to do with the last demon in the hall of, you know. That time I got reincarnated as my brother's mom. Okay, yeah. what? <laughs> Hold on. And then there's like 10 of them that are titled that. So you're like, it's, it's one of them. Um, and I never try to be like, it, I don't ever try to make this sound like a cocky thing. But it is one of those like, boy, I don't remember all the things I'm in. Because half the time it is titled something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, no, no, I found it. Um Life with an ordinary guy who's reincarnated into a total fantasy knockout. Wow, what a title. Yeah, I expect me to remember it at the top of my head. Um, but there was a whole episode where, like, the town was worshipping this... It's a goofy show, obviously. Um, worshipping this giant squid deity. And it was just like, well, I don't, what voice? I'll just do my Plankton impression from Spongebob. And he just talked about the beautiful ladies. And, you know, that was it for two hours. <laughs> I love that. I'm now Perfect. going to go watch <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you squid deity for being on our show we will pray to you and send you beautiful ladies amen we have a final segment that we would like to invite you to join us on called beach sure. episodes and boss battles or boss battles and beach episodes we don't i uh, we haven't done it in forever but we're bringing it back baby remember this sub remember this um one from a different show actually wow <laughs> remember this thing i started three years ago and then we did twice and then like abandoned we're bringing it back uh-huh. it's been a while it's been Parker, a while do you want to you want share to with s- the class start our boss battles which yeah, are for me so i get more time to think with any kind of oh my small God. annoyance I you were gonna start bro. i can start if you would like yeah yeah i have it i'm just i want you to start just because okay so for a reminder or for new listeners a boss battle is anything that is a annoyance in your life that you're trying to overcome or dealing with it can be something super small it can be something large it doesn't matter it's anything that you're dealing with at the moment that you are trying to work through and my current boss battle is that we just moved and so i'm tackling unpacking all of these boxes and i'm like where is the fucking forks i don't know where our forks are okay let me dig through four boxes labeled kitchen shit and figure it out oh i finally found one but now i don't have a plate and it's you just dealing with your... you didn't i label your... the boxes that i packed that's what i will say <laughs> so you didn't pack the kitchen 
I packed some of it, not all of it. Yeah, there should always be a box that's labeled flatware, and those are your plates and your things you need to eat with. Again, Parker, there are two of us. Uh I packed half the kitchen, and I labeled all the boxes I packed, and I will leave it at that. But that's my boss battle is just dealing with unpacking and finding a home for everything. Well, so Parker, do you want to share your boss? Uh, battle? Mine is just having a stupid fucking job. I don't like having to have a real person job sometimes just to fund my other shit I do. But As it's an actor, fine. I get that. <laughs> I just don't want to do it anymore. I just want to make costumes and not think about any of this shit. But you know, that's that's <laughs> the soup we're in. So I'm just tired of my job. Um, I'm the only one that's really working right now because someone is always out and I'm the only one that actually does my specific task. So it's like, it's always on me and our customer base right now is not very smart. So it's just been a headache trying to like teach new people every time a bank gets a new employee. And so I'm just tired. I'm tired of my real job as my boss battle. Oh, I'm sorry. Travis, cool. do you have a boss okay. battle you would like to share? I don't know why I thought about this because this is a very s- small and specifically, I think, me. That's boss. what this is for. Don't worry for it. Lay it on us. Um, my boss battle is anytime I have to cook with anything that contains ginger, why does ginger explode when you cook it? it every time you put it in the pan with oil, it just it fires out and just burns everything around it. And uh, I'm recently getting, getting over a burn that's on my arm because it was. As soon as I put it in, it was like putting in like nitroglycerin and ginger together because it flashed onto my arm immediately. And it happens every time I cook with it. I don't know why. Why why does ginger specifically do this? Um, I cooked with it recently and I mixed it into the sauce so it wouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean that's it the does. only way I guess. Well, I had to like my I made peanut butter I made peanut butter udon noodles. Um and so I had to like really mix it into the peanut butter and that was the only thing that's ever deterred uh ginger from burning the fuck out of me but yeah there's something about just how much water content is in like ginger that makes it explode the minute it touches the fucking pan yeah that i dealt with that and it was even i just but for whatever reason whatever i cook tends to explode i'm a good cook but anytime it involves oil it explodes so like i was cooking a steak on, on a pan and i stepped away for a moment it sounded fine and as soon as i walked towards that thing I heard a pop and oil just flew everywhere. <laughs> and it was like I had to jump back and cover my fit, my eyes and my face so it wouldn't burn me. It was just a little grenade waiting for me to show up kind of thing. The landmine of cooking oil. My cooking problems. <laughs> and again, like I was like, I'm going to go with a ginger. I did walk up at one point cooking ginger, holding up the top of the pot as I was walking up as it was splashing towards like me. Like a shield. Yeah. You're like a riot cop walking towards Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, sir. Calm down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good boss battles that we will all overcome. Except What's I don't know about the ginger thing. Maybe you gotta mix I'll it do a the bunch sauce of sauce mixing technique seems to be one that works. It's just you just gotta kinda because it has a lot of liquid, especially when you grate it. Um, because once you grate it, you know, you pull out like all the fibery bits that get left behind on the other side of the grater and you just leave kind of the pulp. Um, That pulp has so much liquid that it just always reacts with oil no matter what. And it's a fiery pain in the ass. Well, and this kind of relates to uh, the other subject slightly as maybe a slight hint. But what also makes it more difficult is when you're trying to dodge said explosions, that that's when your cat decides to tangle into your legs. (laughs) So it's me stumbling around trying to 
<laughs> trying to get around it to avoid stepping on my cat. He was just sitting there going like, what are you doing in here, huh? It's... Please, oh not your curiosity. It is a crutch. <laughs> You're... I love you, but don't do this. He's just so I'm going to trip and knock myself out cooking because of that, but we should just cook with less ginger. I think that's the... No, but it's good. Go. But it, that's the problem. It's good. Oh my goodness. Okay, so now we will move on to our beach episodes, which are any kind of reprieve um, or anything that is positive in your life. It can be small, it can be big, it doesn't matter. It's anything that makes you happy. And my current beach episode is that I'm almost caught up on One Piece. I started watching it in September of 2022. I am now almost completely caught up. I have like 20 more episodes and I will be caught up for the big reveal on this 6th. Yeah, the 6th of August. Now I have to ask now with that, do you understand why fans are so obsessive with it? Or like obsessed with the series or like with what's about to happen? Okay. I would say yes. I would say yes. A lot of people, that's the common thing they have with One Piece fans. It's like everyone, anytime you ask, what should I watch? They say One Piece. They're obsessed with it. And it's like kind of hard not to be when it's a show that's been around this long with this much stuff and makes you care this much. Yeah. It's yeah. that good. I promise it's that what good. What has definitely helped me in my watch through has been um, our online friend group and our Discord server where we all, it's like divided into which arc you're at. And so you can only access the certain chats up to whatever arc you're on. So you can't see any spoilers. Oh, and um, our friend that made it has been watching basically since One Piece aired. And so he he's... Wow he's been along for the entire ride and so to share it with his friends and then see all of our reactions makes the watch even more fun because now you have someone that's been there from the beginning cheering you on and like yes i love this moment i'm so glad you get to experience it and so having it really helps yes having the community and being able to react to it in real time with other people that know why it's good and know like oh, I know you like this particular episode and it's going to matter in 300 episodes down the line. So you get to have that insight into it. It's That's what's really helped me like it so much. I've had two two random peeps, not to interrupt from no, related here. to that Tell kind of thing. Is, it. uh, it's weird. Again, it's weird peeps. One is I whenever you see a video of someone reacting to the openings of One Piece without ever seeing it, like when they watch all 24 and you're like, how are you supposed to know what's going on? <laughs> like You've just spoiled everything. Um, there was also someone that I, I finally got to start to watch it. And the comment I got that just hurt me in my soul is, uh, there's no point in watching the flashbacks. I'm just going to skip them. Oh. And I'm just like, oh. do not do that. We had a friend who was like, Wano's so big. So I started there and then I just watched a bunch of video essays to get me caught up to Wano. You'll never and like pissed our entire no, he went back. He, we made him fucking go back and rewatch every single thing. Now he's caught up. But when he said that shit, I was pissed. I was so mad. He's like, I just, I just started watching one. I'm like, no, yeah, no, no. But when someone told me it seems like I, I don't know why I'd watch the flashbacks. They seem like a waste of time. I was just like, do you? That's the story. Yeah. <laughs> do you not want to understand context? I mean, if you like to shot shows without context, I mean, there's a lot of bad anime out there you could do that with. They're watching, like, Wiper react to stuff, and they don't know a single thing why. It's like, what? Yeah. What? 
so random one piece peeves that I have as the fiend um that <laughs> as soon as that brought up it just it makes that vein pop up on my forehead. Yeah, I'd rather if you're gonna skip those, like just fucking read the manga at that point. Like if you're that desperate to be caught up that fast, just read the fucking manga. It's please yeah. those those flashbacks are a page over there. Like ugh. Oh my god. People are people, as the song people, goes. Yeah. Parker, oh do you have god. a steamed a beach yeah, episode? I do. Get over um, that. Nothing's like beach episodes like bring up things that make your blood boil. Ah. <laughs> Um, no, my beach episode is that next week is my uh, big mom pirate shoot that I'm finally like we've been working on it for probably five months now, just getting everything planned. And um, yeah, well, we have a big mom finally. We lost her Instagram for a minute because just making everything was in a big haste, and so we're like, who the fuck was our big mom again? Um, ooh. and so luckily we have eight of her kids for the shoot now, including her or. Yeah, eight, including her, is our number. And um, my stuff for Cracker finally arrived, so I have to build that wig. But then other than that, we're all we're all good to go. And I'm very excited for this thing I've been working on for so long to finally be done. So you have you have a pudding, Cracker. I'm pudding, Cracker. Eli's doing Perosporo. Um, Ugami's doing sh- uh, Smoothie. My sister is coming as a Monday. Um... We There's a lot more fingers coming. you're going to need if you're going to count them all. <laughs> That's okay. There's way more. Um, we, my friend is coming as Gillette. Uh, and then Mock Big food. Mom herself. So is that seven? Yeah. Seven. There's one more I'm just forgetting. I think it's because my friend is still pending, but he might come as Katakuri. Oh, okay, cool. I don't cool. know yet. But well, that that'll be fun. It's a lot. It's it's cool. We're doing That's the a pretty decent group stuff. for a, a Big Mom cosplay group. Yeah, I was saying, I remember, uh, it's, I don't remember the voice actor who put it, but they kind of, I don't know if they said it lightheartedly or joking. They're like, we should do some sort of meetup where all of the people who played Charlotte's children would show up. I'm like, that is impossible. It was probably Mary. I feel like Mary Ann said that. I feel like she yeah, said Mary. that for the whole chest. Yeah. So I was sitting there going, like, that would be amazing. That's impossible. <laughs> There's so <laughs> that also many means kids. having to hang out with some weirdos. Oh, There's yeah. some weirdos in that batch. They're oh the unnamed, gosh. like, big mom kids, but there's some weirdos in that batch. Oh, yeah. But that's, like, 85 people. And then yeah. more if you count the ones, the, the quintuplets that split and then come back together. And so I don't I don't know if we actually fully count them into the number or not, or we count them as their four. I don't know what they are. I don't no know how idea. to count the quintuplets. There's too many fucking kids. There are. It's one of those things that, like, I... I I never want to feel guilty about not remembering a character's name, but when you have 85 children, it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm not good at remembering normal people's names. So, I like, memorize the ones that matter, but if you fucking ask me who, like, Darquees is, I don't fucking know. Holy shit. <laughs> who? And it's a guy you don't see. Um, you see him in the background when they're all going to go beat on Luffy. You're like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's why I wish Snack got more play, because Snack was literally one of the sweet generals at a yeah, yeah, and then you see him get rolled by a Roger, and then we don't in know what flashback. happened to a Roger. Yeah, in flashback. But, I mean, he gets, like, the flashback, like, two or three times of, like, a, oh, my God, Snack got beaten. Is he alive? I don't know. Oh, look, he's fighting worst dad. Wow. <laughs> we put this guy through a lot. <laughs> Judge is worst dad. 
Judge yes. is worst dad. I hate There's a that. lot of bad dads in that series, but Judge is worst dad. Top <laughs> tier, top tier. I almost think Kaido is like in the running. Honestly, I don't know. I feel like Shank's dead or uh Yasob's dead like beatness is almost on par with Kaido. I'm gonna be honest. That's but my hot Yasob still loves his child and he <sighs> loves his wife. Well, and there's that there's that uh it's a cultural thing because uh I don't know if you guys watch Hunter Hunter before. A little uh, bit. So Jing, uh, Gon's dad. Yes. The whole comparison is like, I think in the first episode, uh, the the woman who's taking care of Gon's like, don't you resent your dad for abandoning me? And he goes, no, because he's pursuing his dreams. And there's a cultural thing that I, I remember watching a video essay about it where like, that's not an uncommon belief. Yeah. Where it's like, as long as my dad's leaving to go on in some sort of major adventure, like it's okay. I mean, obviously that doesn't sit well with, the average viewer, but I was like, that's a perspective at least have on Yasop is like, yeah, he's kind of a deadbeat dad, but he didn't, you know, put a cage on his son's face and say, I, if you go out there, just don't. I don't think he's worth the judge. I just think that like, <laughs> I don't know. I just think he's, he's up there in the worst dads of the year, like department. Beji, no, clears. Best dad in the whole series. Um, love that guy. <laughs> love that guy. Um, I also remembered who my eight character was in my lineup, and it's because it's not a real character. It's because I have Nitro on my deck. I, I one oh, more character right. off the roster. It's because I got Nitro. <laughs> I had to have him 3D printed, and he still needs a coat of paint. But I have my son. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> awesome. Well, Travis, do you have a beach episode you would like to share? Hmm. I know I had a lot of time to think about this, even when I was talking about those other things. But uh, I'll say two things. Yes. Because might as well have multiple beach episodes. Why not? Why not? Um, one of them uh, is my fat, adorable daughter cat named Siri. You know, she's the one I thought if things get bad, she notices. So it's time to hug it out and be distracted and do weirder voices than I do normally. Um, <laughs> and uh, sing random. Oh, God, I picked up the worst habit from my father, which is just singing random songs to my pet. Um which I'm sure other people do, but it's a habit I definitely picked up from him. Um, the other, um, and I miss doing it because pan the pandemic certainly made it a lot more difficult to do, but I always really loved uh, doing karaoke. I loved going out and um, especially kind of picking certain songs over and over again that were just loud and goofy. I remember one time uh, me and Ben Phillips sang Tribute by Tenacious D and we're harmonizing and stuff and it was super cool. That's awesome. Um, ben Phillips, also great guy. Um, he does a lot of the opera singing in Whole Cake during the dub. Uh, mm. the, it's, yeah, it's really incredible stuff. Um, but yeah, just that that's kind of my side beach episode sort of thing like that. Um, and I guess, I, you know, I'll think of another one I just did it today. Um, getting uh, Hokkaido cream rolls from 85 degrees. Bakery. Oh my God. We finally got one in Utah. Finally. Yeah. Go oh. get their, go get their, if you get there early enough, get their Hokkaido cream buns. They're the best thing they make. <laughs> and they're like a dollar each. Wow. I'm ours has stupid ass hours. Um, Cause I used to have to go, to, I would just go to the one in Vegas and pick shit up and come home with it. Um, Cause mm -hmm. we didn't have one here, but the one in Vegas is open until like seven 30. The one here closes at fucking four and I'm off work at four. It's like, I just, is that a common Utah thing? You said no. Utah, right? 
Yeah, I'm in Utah, but that's not a common thing. I just, I don't know why. Because it's in a Chinatown supermarket, and the supermarket doesn't close until 10. Because they have, like, dinner restaurants and dinner services up in there. And so it's like, why do you close at 4? Why can't you open during a regular business hour? It's all bad for you, but it's like one of those chances you get to go there and be like, oh, they have all the stuff and they haven't sold out yet. The only sad thing is I went there and they sold out of this, this what they called the Mango Dreamsicle, which came out today. We sounded really good right now. And they're like, yeah, we're out. And it was top 10 anime tragedies for me at that moment. I uh, want a red bean bun so bad. Maybe. <laughs> if you ever come to Dallas, there's also a, a whole, it's a mom and pop bakery, which I'll always tell anyone go to Dallas to go there. Um, it's called Nine Rabbits. Oh, um, Nine Rabbits. Okay. Okay. It's, can I put you... Hold on, sorry. My back. Continue. I was going to say um, the best dumpling place in Dallas is on my head. I realized I told Marianne on episode I would give her the link and I never fucking did, but I will put you onto it. Did um, we wait in? No, it's, no, um, it's called Shaoling's Kitchen. And it's I've an urban. It is so fucking good. <laughs> it's it's urban, so good. Like, right around the corner from Las Colinas. Okay. Oh my God. It's incredible it's so good that when i got home i was so sad about it that i ordered a cup of hot and sour soup took one sip i was like this it's, is not bad. it's not it's <laughs> i miss being in dallas we were talking about one piece parts but this seems like a good time to cry <laughs> oh my god it was so good i was like crying i almost felt like i was high um because i was just like <laughs> i get that have you, ever, have you ever been food high like i i oh, know yeah. how drugs affect me and i know how this affected me it felt like i took like two edibles and then mowed down on some soup because <laughs> these soup dumplings were so warm that it coated your entire body and their own chili oil oh my fucking god and that was oh, after yeah. like, on so i was in alabasta chili wontons are amazing <laughs> Oh, I was so hungry. Yeah. Now, if we're just going to go on suggestion bandwagon here, if you, again, if you come to Dallas, if you want to go to the best ramen place I've ever been to, um, it's a place called Ramen Isakaya Akira. It's only open three days a week, um, but it's run by one guy that's behind there. It's a super small place, um, and it'll change your life. <laughs> okay. We're adding it to the list. Good. Because we go to a con in, in Dallas every Louis- year. Is it the one in Louisville? Or oh, there's more than one? That's the one that comes up be. for me. It might be in Louisville. Izakaya Akira? Yes. It probably is. It's a very small place um, run by this old Japanese man who does, I think, all of the cooking at it. Oh, yeah, and they're only um, open sometimes. I see it. Holy they, yeah, if you get a chance to go there, it is life-changing. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah, I'm putting this... This is going in the watch list one. I don't know why. I'm just putting it in that channel. So I don't <laughs> There's a part of me, if you want a weird pet peeve I ran into years ago, I, I have this weird pet peeve that if you go on a if you go on a trip somewhere and you spend the money on it, like don't half-ass your eating experience because that's a part of the trip. No. So no. I remember going to Anime Expo like a long time ago and every person with me, it's like, hey, well, we just go buy Denny's. And I'm like, I refuse. I spent this much money to get here. We are not eating at Denny's. Did you go to the yard house at least once? I believe I did. <laughs> Everyone goes to the yard. Every yeah. good convention got a yard house outside. I'm telling oh, yeah. you. When I was at SakuraCon, yard house. Acon, fucking yard house. Of course. Oh but um, that's always most of my budget. Every time I go to a con is food. So when we went to SakuraCon, we were planning on eating at other places, but we went because my friends like 
four or five years ago, went to this place in Chinatown supermarket and got a Shirashi bowl. And it was the fattest, freshest fish they ever had. So much so they had to DM it to each other so they wouldn't forget the name and then come back to it five years later. And we went the first night with some of our friends. And it was so fucking good. We went the next day and I was in full cosplay. Um, no, I was Skypey and Nami when we went. And so the next day I'm in my civvies and the guy's like, were you here yesterday? And I was like... Yeah, can I get the same thing? I like the proper dignified game to this this sushi place. Have you been here before? <laughs> it, was, it wasn't even like a fancy place. It was like kind of like it only had like six seats and then like the to go area. And so it was like Best places. four guys were running it. And yeah, he looked me right in the eyes, like, were you here yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Repeat uh-huh. business. Say thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that was most of what I ate the entire time because I was going to try new things. And I did. I did try a lot of new things while we were there. But being there and eating some fat fucking pieces of fish, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So uh, good. I was and like, I, taking I, photos of it and getting up in there with my camera. Listen, as somebody who's lived here all my life, like, I know the spots. It's comes naturally to me. Yeah, all right. We know who to hit up next time we go to Akon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Travis. We've been talking about food, and now I'm starving, so <laughs> I have to go. Oh, yeah. oh, well, thank you for having me. This was so much fun to do. Yeah. I just love talking shop and talking anime, and it's all fun. <laughs> As always. Hold on, Neb. Let me say my bit. What um, words? Hold on, Travis. Will you will you plug your socials and everything? Like anything sure. that you want to plug? Any show you're on right now? Um, so at least socials right now, uh, I'm going to just call it Twitter because the other name is stupid, I'm dead but you can find me on Twitter at T And that's the same as my Instagram as well. Um, right now is, I mean, the last show you might've noticed that I've worked on would have been, uh, Kamikatsu, the one you just mentioned, but, uh, go on, check out Crunchyroll. I'm sure you can hear me in the background and a bunch of stuff and, uh, go, uh, go watch Psyche K on Netflix. Because I'm sure it's still on there. The show's great. Um, and watch One Piece, for the love of God. If this wasn't a selling point for One Piece at this point, um, you got three, uh, it's not called a protractor, but I'll call it three protractors who are totally down to sell you on everything that's good about this show. Don't run away. Don't run away. I promise Please. it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not scary. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I have to say first, because Annette wouldn't let me say it beforehand. Um, as always, we always give this to our guests every time, just because we want them to know they're very much appreciated for being here. You literally, once you're on it, you get a free pass for if you ever want to just come back and be on it. Just the same way we reached out to you. Tell us that. Come back. Thank you. Tell your, well, tell your, tell your friends. I'm just <laughs> you don't have to I can subscribe. Like, once you're here, you're here forever. So tell your friends. <laughs> Okay, I'm ending um, this now. This is too bad. You didn't like my bit? Probably didn't like my bit, (laughs) if anything. Okay. Will you plug the damn podcast before you end it? Yes, I was going to. I was just waiting for you to figure Mm -hmm. your your little shit out. Anyways, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at FandamesPod. And you can support the show at Patreon.com slash FandamesPod as well. You can send us emails with questions, comments, concerns, or any other information that you want to just throw our way at FandamesPod at gmail.com. They're miming a bunch of shit at me. (laughs) What's your social media? Where can we find you personally? 
Yeah. You can find me at nebula underscore inky. That's I-N-K-Y on Instagram and Twitter. And Parker, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at crown guard cosplay. And you can find me on Sheeter um, as a uh, fucking little light bee. <laughs> Pew! Is the fucking in the at or? No, no, no. It's fucking and then at. Um, I mean, if you're the one who took that, that's amazing. You just have to say fucking and then at little light bee. <laughs> And then the spirit of Parker will appear in your phone. I live there. Like a snail in your ear. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.